you can see me, I'm dancing here. Hey, Wheezy. <laughs> Hi, Elizabeth. How's everything? Great. Are you great? Mm-hmm. Just got back from the beach. How was the beach? It was hot, but it was fun. I went away for a week with the kids and their friends. We had a great time. And not only that, it was your birthday. It was, 52. There we go. <laughs> We're getting older, but life is getting better. Um, so, and did you have any temptation to drink while you were there? No. Um, and, and we talked about this last year when I went to Ocean City. Being a dry town, it's, it definitely helps. But, no, I, 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 I didn't think about it. Especially because I'm with my kids and their friends. So, it, it just, it didn't come up. And even if friends visited that did drink, I, it just, it wasn't even a thought. No, aren't you lucky? Mm -hmm. That you have had that compulsion to drink disappear like it just doesn't come to your mind and for so many unfortunately or fortunately they don't get it the, the first time the second time and relapse is totally a factor mm -hmm. and you've relapsed before and I know we've talked about relapse before but it is so important because we're going to talk about really for one when you're in rehab which I've always found and I'm going to get, I, I don't know if my listeners are going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said this, but I'm going to say this. I wish that rehab facilities would say to the loved ones when someone's getting dropped off at rehab, all right, here, this is what we're doing. We're going to take your loved one for 28 days. And after that 28 days, the chances of your person staying sober are uh, one in 10, maybe. Because most people don't don't get sober out of ten people. I've yeah, that's that's. I, I think it's a lot worse than that. Um, oh, it is, it is. But I don't know why rehabs don't say. You know what? You're dropping your loved one off, and really, all you're getting for these twenty eight days is you having a good night's rest because you know where your loved one is at that moment. Exactly. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. But they don't tell you that. They're like, write a check. This is what we're doing. You're gonna stay here for twenty eight days, and after that. You know, it's going to be great. They kind of give you that perception like they're, you, they've are they got your person, your loved one, and they're going to make them better. But that never, I mean, very rarely does that ever happen, does it? No, in those 28 or 30 days that everybody can breathe in and out of the rehab, um, you know, turns into this like full-on anxiety when you get out because now you have the anxiety or the fear of, of how are you going to manage outside of the rehab and in your home and in your world going back to your job or going back to your family and then the other people that were resting while you were in there are now anxious because every day is another day that they think it might be today that they pick up again when I see them tonight are they going to be drunk so it's it's you know it's unnerving all the way around well, it's the only disease that you go to the hospital. Like, if you go into the hospital and you say you have a broken leg, you go in, they fix your leg, you come out, and your leg's going to get better, right? Mm -hmm. You go in, you have a baby, you come out, you're getting better. But with rehabs, and that's the one thing that I think me, I, somewhere around, something has to change in the reality of the fact that people go there and they get, mm -hmm. they get clean and sober for 28 days. But it's 28 days of being, like, on a deserted island. <laughs> Isn't well, it? it is. I, and I did it twice. So I know, and it was different both times, but the, you know, I, there was a, there was a part of me that I know 
when I was at the first rehab at the end and they, they gave the statistics to us and, you know, some made a joke of it, some, you know, were, were visibly taken back by the statistics that even in a, you know, let's say a room of 200 people in, in a group session that maybe 10% of, I don't even think it was that no, much, not even that, much. Um, that maybe five people out of those 200 would stay sober. Um, and that's a, you know, stay sober forever. Um, and that was, but I think everybody had a different take on that. And I think maybe the first time with me, I had it as a, maybe a, a, a soft little cushion for me that, okay, well, it, it's, it's, it's done so often. People are relapsing so often out of rehab that I'll just be another person that relapses. So it can't be that bad. Um, well, your odds, it sounds like the odds, like they're giving you the odds. Like if you go and you place a bet on, okay, if you were going to bet and if you're a tennis watcher or whatever, because Wimbledon and they had, it was Federer playing Djokovic, okay? And they said the odds were this, that Federer, that Federer was going to win. I don't know the small margins what they were, but it's the same sort of thing. Like you leave rehab and they're like, your odds of really staying sober are very slim. Mm-hmm. Well, they are, and but I think it depends on your mindset as to, I mean, they, they can take away the alcohol and you have no, no means to be able to get it for 30 days, or I didn't, or drugs. Um, and so you come out and it, it is a huge adjustment, but I think that if, if the second time around I went out saying, I'm never going to drink again, so... That was really critical in my thinking because the first time I didn't think that. It was just, you know, every day was a crapshoot. Today might be the day that I drink. I don't know, hoping not, but, and it happened. Because you had that little sliver of odds. Well, that- and I, yeah, and I didn't, I, I, the aftercare, however you want to look at it, whether it's, going to, you know, what they recommend if you're someone that goes to AA, that you do a 90 and 90, 90 meetings and 90 days. And then what after that, you know, it's not, you can't just cut it off and, and go once a month after having gone 90 and 90. But I think that the aftercare is so critical and, and not saying it in any particular way or any venue, like to just, but, but aftercare, whether that means you meet with friends of yours that are sober three times a week for breakfast and talk about like something something that connects you with people that are going through the same thing however that looks but if you leave there and you just go home to where everything's the same and maybe there isn't alcohol in your home but everybody else is still acting the same no one else has changed so and not only that but the mailman's just dropped off 10 million bills for you to pay when you get back and so you've got all this stuff that's like triggers right that that show up at your doorstep right when you get out of rehab and you're like okay how am I going to deal with this well and that's what I what I talk to the women in prison about because I know that they don't have the resources or the um the group therapy or what have you and in when they're incarcerated so to simply open up the door and say you're free free from what? I mean, free to do what? I mean, you're going back to 
a house where there could be other people, and in a lot of cases, based on what they've told me, there were people still using, actively using in their home, um, or drinking in their home. So, what what do they bring with them out of a place like prison or a rehab? What do you what what are you? I mean, I hate to use the word tools a lot, but I mean, for lack of a better word, I mean, what what tools? do you have when you come out? How are you going to deal with the anxiety or the depression or, like you said, you know, bills that have to be paid? Um, some people don't even have a place to go to. I mean, how are you going to manage that and stay sober? Oh, it's It's almost impossible. Mm -hmm. Again, it's terrible. And I think that for people, I mean, when you leave a hospital, at least they say to you, go, these are your resources. If you get... Uh, if God forbid you get diagnosed with cancer, they give you a plethora of things to do, right? You can go to the hospital where you've just been diagnosed and they have groups there. They give you a therapist there. Everything's included. You get, you know, people will bring you meals because they feel badly for you. Um, you know, all these resources are there for you if you get out of, if you get diagnosed with some a horrible disease. If you get diagnosed with diabetes, they take you home and they show you how to use a pump. They show you how to use the insulin. They show you how, how to work your, you know, how to deal with your disease. But the problem is when you have the disease of alcoholism, nobody says this is what you're going to leave and do. They can make suggestions to go to, go to AA, but what else is there? Well, and, and I look at it in a couple different ways. A part of me says, you know, I've, I've always admitted that I wasn't the, the bar-seeking party girl, you know, up on the bar dancing. It just was never me. I drank to medicate myself to forget about pain and suffering and anxiety and depression. So that's where I came from. A lot of people, some people... I was loved, a party girl. You were a party girl, and you loved to drink, and it got you in trouble, and there were some consequences. But I just think that that for me, I know one of, one of the things that scared me the second time around was knowing that, and this is another statistic too, is that the likelihood of it being almost a death sentence when you relapse. It's not to say it always happens. I know plenty of people that have relapsed and are sober now and are, are probably never going to drink again. But, but there are those two who relapse and never get back on, on track and never, because it's so, it, it brings you to a, a level that is, is just unbearable and it's worse than when, than before. Um, and not to mention the people that, you have disappointed and the feelings you have that you know for yourself the self-loathing and all that crap that comes back up again and just knowing that you went to that dark place again and that's how scary the disease is because we went back to that or I went back to that knowing what it caused my my life my world my you know it, what what it caused you know in terms of my my family and their sadness and, and um, uh, you know, but, but people do it. I did it. And I have, I know a lot of people who do it. I mean, I've got two people in my life that I've known their whole entire lives that were sober for a long period of time and they went out and they can't get back in. And their lives are getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And they can't ask for help. 
And then the people that went and they think they've got this, they can drink again and they can drink normally, but they can't. And it affects everyone. And it's hard. It's hard to go back in. I remember as much as I loved the group that I was in that you had started, that it was it was so painful and and just so embarrassing, beyond embarrassing. I don't even know what the word would be. To, to walk back in that door and to look at the people. But there is no better place that is more welcoming, more, if you want to say forgiving. Um, there is no really forgiving because there's no judgment to begin with. So you go back into the best place you could possibly be. And you think, I can't believe that I suffered through all that apprehension, anxiety, all those things that... That I, that I almost didn't go back for that, for those reasons. And thank God I did, uh, because it was, it was just the biggest welcoming committee and the biggest hug, you know, uh, welcome back. It's just like, you know, just, it's like, um, I don't know, it just never skips a beat, you know, it just doesn't skip a beat. You just get right back into it. And I just, I, I get... I get fearful for those because I have people too, and and someone who's really special to me now recently started drinking again, and I don't know what her. What, I mean, I haven't talked to her enough about it to understand exactly where her head's at in terms of is this is this a new is she, is she going back thinking that she can drink again? Is that where she's coming from? That that it, maybe it was a wrong diagnosis or. You know, maybe that's what she's thinking, or maybe she's suffering so much now because she doesn't have, or she doesn't feel comfortable talking to me about it because that is one thing we, we shared in common. Well, and I, for me, because I've never relapsed by the grace of God, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God, just as of today, I have not relapsed. I pray I never do relapse, but when someone does relapse, I become like, uh, I'm totally on alert because I want to hear what the person went through. What happened? What made you decide to pick up again? What was it? You just didn't want to pick up the phone and call someone? What, like, what happened? What made you see that glass and say, oh my gosh, I know I can't drink it. I know I shouldn't drink it. I know I've been sober. I know I've been in rehab. I know I have a problem with it. But you know what? That doesn't matter. I'm going to pick it up anyway. In that instant. Yeah. In that one instant. And when somebody talks about it, I'm like, I, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, don't interrupt. Everybody shut up. I want to hear what the person has to say because it's, I, I want to hear everything. I want to hear. Cause so that it doesn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't happen because I, I, no one says that I'm anything's foolproof, right? I mean, I'm a month out from being 13 years, I, I, but that doesn't mean anything. I just have today. But if I'm not with other people that have my same disease and my same ailments and don't tell me how they get through certain things in their lives and I keep it to myself, I drowned myself, right? I drown myself in my feelings and my thoughts. They all become so real, right? I mean, right. it's so real that I can't see any way out. But until I could call someone and say, this is what I'm feeling. This well, is what's yeah. going on, right? And it's in it. I hate to simplify it because I can remember people saying, you know, it, it, simplifying it to the point of saying maybe it was somebody that 
didn't even have a problem or wasn't an alcoholic, but you just don't pick it up. You just don't pick it up. Well, that's just, it was so hard for me to comprehend when in fact to somebody else, it, it really is as simple as that. Just don't pick it up and you won't be drinking. And, but at the same time, I also feel as though I couldn't, how do I say this? I, well, let me get my thought together to go on. All right. So what I was going to say is that for me, when I hear that someone has relapsed and someone picks up and I know that a lot of times the person's been thinking about it for a long time and they haven't told anybody and they haven't said anything for fear of being judged and for fear of being looked at in a different light and for fear of, um, you know, just getting honest with someone. Cause that's the one thing that I feel as an alcoholic, it's like being honest with somebody about my feelings. Because if you hear what my feelings are, you're going to think I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. You're going to think I'm crazy. You're going to judge me. And that's where being with the other people that are like you, they don't think you're crazy. Right. It's like if you go into a 12-step meeting and people like you, people are telling their stories of what happened. And, and most people would be crying if they heard the stories, right? They'd be like, oh my God, that happened to you. People in the rooms are all like laughing because they totally can relate to it. There's no judgment. It's like, I totally know exactly what you're saying. Like when we would go and I'd say, I'm only going to have one drink and I'd have 47. Right. And I'd say, oh my gosh, I'm not going to go to the liquor store tonight. And I do. Mm -hmm. But once you've stopped and because I've never done it myself, picked up, thank God. Again, I have to keep saying thank God. Um, but you see people that get their, you get, they get clean. Their lives get, get better like that it's like crazy right how fast your life got better yeah I mean got so much better and we know somebody we saw it just recently whose life had gotten so much better when she quit mm -hmm. and then she picked up and I don't know how long she even was clean when her life got better but it wasn't that long it might have been a couple months and then she can't stop the merry-go-round she can't stop it she can't stop it and now things are just getting worse and worse and worse and she says well I can't go back there because it's you know 12 steps doesn't work for me it just doesn't work for me which I get I think that that's again our ego I mean there's something about our ego that needs to be deflated and the acronym that sometimes we use is um ego is um easing God out like and God it doesn't have to be God like on the cross dying on the cross it doesn't have to be that God but like something that's bigger than you yeah and I think what I was going to say is that I think that, that for me, when I try to say that it, it is simple, I'm not simplifying it because it is, it is difficult that people at 30 years are still going to meetings because they need that support and, and it's ongoing and you need it or I need it for the rest of my life. But I also know that I can, that if that I have had times where things have been have been bad when I've been sober and I know that that would be a moment where I could easily drink. The difference now is that I know that I'm almost I'm projecting in my head so quickly. I mean talk about fast forward really quickly. I in my head know everything that is going to fall apart. And so for that moment I have to think of that. And when I think of that it stops me. So it's, it's that one moment that you have that you're either going to pick up a drink, drive yourself to the liquor store, get a bottle, 
you know, or you're going to say, you know, stop yourself, call a friend, call somebody that you love or that's helped you in the past, like I've called you, and 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 you can get past it so quickly. But it's it's just these seconds, these minutes that are so critical. Like even 60 seconds. And I don't want to downplay it like you just said. It's like this is the most complicated disease out there. And it has been around for so long. Like literally since they started crushing grapes. I mean, I read an article and I can't remember who it was. But the guy had been an opium addict his entire life. And he started in like the 1500s. I mean, so it's been this addiction. It's been around for so long. There isn't a one quick fix answer to it. I just know the human part of it, which is what works. And there's been a TED talk that talked about like cocaine and there was cocaine being, did you hear about this TED talk? No. They had the rats and one water bottle had cocaine in it and one water bottle didn't. And one water bottle, one cage had all these sorts of fun things and other rats in it and you can go and have fun and do all this stuff and the cocaine bottle was there and they never went back to the cocaine bottle because they were so the rats were so busy having fun with the other rats playing in the rat cage and playing with all the toys that they had in the rat cage and what i'm trying to say here is that like when you have a community around you when you have real friendships around you and you have real people that you can pick up the phone and say this is how i'm feeling and know that the person on the other side of the line is not judging you. They're listening. Yeah. And they're loving you no matter what. I had an old friend that reached out to me that actually sent me that TED Talk. And she said, what is it? Like, what do you think of this TED Talk? And what do you think about everything? And I said, you know, and she's one of my oldest friends. I've known her since I was a little girl, like 12 years old. And I don't have the relationship I have with her that I have with you. Because great, we have that commonality that we grew up together and we all know the same people and we all know the same towns and we all have the same stories from when we were kids. But now as a grown woman, I need to be with people that get my disease and get who I am as a person. And I have to help another alcoholic because if I don't help another one, that I mean, it's totally selfish on my part, to be honest, because it helps me so much. Right, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. like, I met a woman in the grocery store who was 34 years, and I was like, I ha 34 years of sobriety, and, I'm, and she doesn't go to meetings anymore. And I'm like, why don't you go to meetings? She goes, I don't need to do that anymore. And I wanted to say to her, are you kidding me? It's not about you. What about all the other people that are coming and want to see somebody that has 34 years, that stayed sober, and how did you do it? But, again, that person might not have had a drink, and they aren't drinking right now, but they're still selfish. Yeah, it's... It yeah, I mean, it's, I, I know so many different people in different, you know, um, spots and, you know, or different, um, handle their sobriety differently. I mean, I, I, a lot of really good friends of mine are, don't go to meetings. Um, they, they certainly have, you know, opportunities to help people and they do, um, or they're involved in other groups or, um, you know, some some stuff online that they've gotten involved in but um you know for me and i always speak for myself i just i have to i mean even being at the beach for a week uh i was going to try to go to a meeting um with a friend of mine who recently got sober and he has about 23 24 days 
we were going to try to connect and get a meeting and um but it just didn't work out uh, with my kids and everything but i felt a little odd i mean and i actually even thought this morning that you know even though i needed to get to work on time i i felt like there was just a moment where i thought maybe, maybe this is really what i need to do is go to a meeting i wasn't feeling like i wanted to drink but i just felt a little disconnected and when dis when i get disconnected i could get a little squirrely right and it makes sense and the relapse people and it's interesting you know and i think that there's people that go to 12-step meetings right after going to like, relapsing and still aren't ready and they raise their hand and they say i have 50 days or whatever but do they really want to be sober mm -hmm. i think that's what it really really comes down to is what you want i mean not for your kids or i remember I can still remember a friend saying to me, if you cannot do it for yourself, do it for your kids. And I said, well, that's not going to happen. It's just not going to. Not for me. It no. sounds great. But it doesn't work. And I have somebody who just actually reached out to me from a different state. And the person's mom keeps calling me and telling me that their daughter, and they're in the West Coast, but their daughter can't, um, she can't stop. And it's gotten to the point that she, wherever she works, she shakes. She shakes to the, like the, the delirium tremors, as they call them. Like the tremors that you get. Like the, It's like you right. literally have the shakes. Remember having those? I mean, you'd stop drinking and you'd be like, oh my gosh, okay, why can't I stop shaking? What's wrong with me? And it's totally, you're detoxing. You're detoxing from alcohol. And this person went to the doctor and the doctor gave him Valium. And then the doctor gave him this, some other pill to make it. But like a quick fix. But the problem is, is like the person's like, I'm not drinking as much as I used to be. I used to drink 18 beers a night. Now I'm only drinking 10. And you're like, oh my God. And the person doesn't want to ask for help. Yeah. I mean, this is a horrible epidemic in our society and especially with women. And they don't want to talk about the women that are getting sober, right? I mean, they don't, they don't want to talk about all the poor women that are out there in the world at home with their kids trying to make it through another day. And their mommy's little helper these days is wine. It's, yeah, and I can remember saying to someone, talking about how much I drank and... You know, I, I mean, I could drink a bottle of vodka in a day very easily. Or three bottles very easily that was that was the norm but I can remember telling somebody at the end where you know I couldn't even sign a check I couldn't I couldn't get change out of my wallet I couldn't hand a dollar in the liquor store or you know a $20 bill over to the cashier um, I couldn't put them the ATM card in the little insert slot because I had to hold my other hand on it because then my hands were shaking so badly and I think I remember a couple people when I was relaying that story at, at the end for what it looked like at the end for me that I, I felt like there was this glimmer of hope for some people because they hadn't reached that point and I thought oh gosh you know don't com don't compare to me don't don't get you know you're not off the hook if you if you didn't get to where I was because I was so close to you know dying that it, it you know it, it's I was at the end. So for other people that, you know, said that they didn't get to that point or they didn't, you know, even if you, you're not a blackout drinker, I was a blackout drinker, but it, you know, you can certainly not be a blackout drinker, but still be an alcoholic. I mean, you know. And um, back to what you were talking about in the beginning, and I want to just circle back to this because I know a lot of people, I think, listen, because they're hoping to find answers and they're hoping to find, you know, 
this is we're going to say something that's going to be the nugget that they can hold on to. And we were talking about when you leave treatment and they say to you, okay, they get you in there and you're in this, you're in a huge auditorium and there's 200 people sitting there, boys, girls, moms, dads, every walk of life that's there. And they say to you, okay, the chances of you guys all staying sober is probably not happening. The chances of you, half of you staying sober, not happening. So it dwindles down to the 10% and you've like, and now you're walking out the door and what is there one tool that they gave you that you remember that actually helped you? What was it that helped you get to the next, to the place where you are today? Would you say, and was it, would you give any of the credit for that to the rehab? Well, I would give it to one person at, and it was the first rehab. So it sounds a bit odd because that's, I, I drank after that, but I will say the very thing that I was told stayed with me. And I really feel like it, it was um, kind of a foundation for me. And I was leaving, and it, it was a, a, one of the um, RAs, or whatever you called them, um, that you know, oversaw the, the people in the unit. And um, he looked just like Forrest Whitaker. He was the greatest guy. Everybody loved him. And he said to me on, he walked me out, and I was, I was leaving, and he said, you know, and I've mentioned this before, you can give up one thing for everything or everything for one thing. And it just stuck with me because it's so, it's such a simple thought, but it's so true. And here we are, all of it, we all share that one thing, that, that we're there to give up, to give up one thing so we can have everything back, everything that was important to us, everything that we loved, everything that made our life wonderful that we could give up that one thing or we can give up all of that and just choose the drink or the drug and the choice is yours and that stayed with me and you still think of it today like, oh, I, 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 I can it seems like it was yesterday when he walked me out um, and yeah it was it was it it had a lot of impact on me and I've I've said it to hundreds of people since and that was from the first rehab that was from the first rehab and it didn't you didn't stay sober but you kept, kept remembered it I remembered it because because it, the the thing was for me is that I just and I've said this I was not ready I would I I wanted an out however I was gonna get it I, I was going to get it I didn't know when what year it would be but I was not ready to I you know the fat lady lady hadn't said you know, <laughs> I, I, I was not it was not over and um, so but when I decided it was over and when my life became so unmanageable and 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 that's what I think is is so important to see and that my life was there was nothing manageable about it. It was unmanageable. Everything was just falling apart around me. So, you know, once I once I knew that, and I and I looked at that as a fact that my life was unmanageable. I had to do something about it. I had to do something about it for me. And as a result, it would. It, I was doing it for all the people around me. Um, and once I once I grasped that once I held on to that and knew I could not let it go that was when it all started to fall into place 
And that minute you surrendered, I don't know if you totally remember where you were and what had occurred, but like if somebody's out there listening and, and they're like, what was it? What made you surrender? What? Because we know that you had already been and already knew that you were drinking. We already knew you were an alcoholic. You already right. knew that. You already knew you had been to rehab. You already like... You were trying to mend your relationship with your husband. I remember you had all these things going on. And what made you finally go, all right, I'm done. I'm ready to stop. Well, I will tell you this. And I don't think I've ever said this because I don't think it ever, I, I don't think I've ever thought about it. It just popped into my head without much thought. So it must be, it must have had a, some impact on me. But when I first got there, of course, I, the second time around, I didn't think that I was going to be in detox for that long. I mean, you know, I knew my hands were shaky and everything, but, you know, I wasn't like everybody else. Just wasn't. I was like immortal. Um, but I, I was, um, I, my, I had a woman in my room, that my roommate, that was so bad. Uh, and I was horrible. So it could, I couldn't imagine anybody would be worse. But she was. And I will tell you this. I... I watched her and I've never I was never at that vantage point of seeing somebody so um, so completely uh, out of it like completely out of it um, the room smelled so horrible it smelled like death um, she doesn't have she didn't even remember me um, she spent the whole time in bed um, I, I think they helped her to the bathroom she was she was so close to death and i remember looking at her and thinking she looked so ugly and pathetic and just like every everything you could possibly imagine horrible that was going through my head was how and all i could think of was that's how i looked and i never ever wanted to look like that and i did i'm sure i did on you know many different occasions um but just seeing that, I never saw it. And I really felt like it was God's way of having me finally see what I looked like. And, it, uh, and as, as horrible as it was, I was so grateful to have those three days. And, like it was living hell because she snored and she was smelly and she, you know, it was just <laughs> horrible, horrible, horrible. But I didn't, I, I, I wouldn't do it differently. If I had to go back, I would I would want that same scenario because it it, it was it, it it really was good for me. Because you saw where your life was going if you kept going. Yeah, and I saw what I looked like that I never saw. What I, I mean, just, just frail and you know bony and could barely walk and had no appetite and. Just, I mean, de like no, no, nothing in the eyes. Just so, so empty, so empty. Mm. That was me. And now look at you. Yeah. And I, we, don't, I don't want to say that like going to rehab is a bad thing because I think it's really important, and especially if you have the shakes. Like you need to be in a hospital. You can't quit drinking by yourself, especially if you're drinking as much that it's making you shake. If you're drinking as much that it makes you shake, you need to go to a hospital. You cannot. Just decide to quit on your own because you would you can die. Yeah, you can have a seizure. You can have a seizure and die. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I know this 20-year-old girl that was in New Jersey um, last weekend. My son told me that a friend of a friend, 20 years old, was at a party and she had, you know, drank too much and it was alcohol poisoning and they didn't call 911 or anything and the 20-year-old girl died. Nobody did anything. I mean, this is not a joke. I mean, this disease is, and people think, and I think because it's so prevalent in our society, and I don't think it's just prevalent in America. I think it's prevalent all over the world. I mean, look at Ireland, look at Scotland. I mean, look at everywhere, all over the world. Everybody drinks except for in some of the nations where it's against the law because of religious reasons. But it is so, like, it will kill you. It is not, it might take a long time, but it will kill you. It could happen fast or it could take us a long time. And all the people that get hurt during the process. But because it's so prevalent and it's on every, I mean, I, I can't even turn on the TV without, you know, seeing an ad for it. But realizing that if you don't, if it doesn't work for you, and you feel like we know inside what's going on with us. Like we can sit here and we can have other people say, oh, you're okay. I mean, I remember my family just going, you're okay. You're not an alcoholic. It's okay. And I had friends that drank like me and they said, oh, you're not an alcoholic. You're okay. But guess what? I knew the whole time I was an alcoholic, but I did not want to give up the gig. I was like, what is this going to be like? How am I going to live without it? I was so scared. I was so scared. And so when the people said, oh, you're okay, that just was like, oh, cool, it's carte blanche. Just like you said, when you left rehab, you're not going to get this. Not everybody's going to get it. Well, guess what? I mean, I had it and I now I wish I had done it sooner, which I didn't, but that's okay. And, you know, there's a reason that it took what it took. And I think it, everybody has a reason for why it takes what it takes. But if you know that you have the problem and you need to stop, and you want to stop. I mean, that's the one thing. It's like, I want to not drink more than I want to drink. Mm -hmm. I, I would say that. I, I feel the same exact way. But, if but some... it's, and it's scary, the whole rehab. I mean, the whole relapse thing is scary because it does put you in such a, 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 such a shameful little world. Like, I can remember that after when I started drinking again, I mean... Not that I was fooling a whole lot of people, but I'm sure I fooled some. But it, it just, it got so much more complicated the second time around. Because now I had, now I just didn't have people raising an eyebrow saying, oh my God, is she going to get drunk? Now I had people, you know, that, that thought I was sober, that I acted like I was sober too, that I told I was sober too. But, but they're looking at me and saying, mm, something isn't right, you know. It was just so complicated, and I just I, I I felt like I was I I was slowly pulling away from everybody and everything, and just and and just retracting. That's why they say you know sometimes it does it is a death sentence to relapse because you just you spiral, and there's no way out. But I mean, fortunately for me and for other people that I know that have have you know got they got back on track, thank God. But it's not, you know, it, it, I would not, I would not recommend anybody use that as a cushion to say, well, you know, statistically, well, yeah, you know, it might not work, you know, so I'll try it again. I'll try it again. If it doesn't work this time, I'll try it again. I'll go back to rehab. It's just not that easy. Right. And you wish the people, because I feel like, especially today, in today's society, you know, it's becoming 
more and more people are coming out and saying they're sober. Bradley Cooper, um, Tim Allen, um, Joe Montana. I mean, the, the list could go on and on. I mean, who else? Who am I just saying? Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, there's so many people that are sober that are now coming out and saying, you know what, I'm sober. And I feel like, especially with my, because both my grandmothers were alcoholic, and one of them was born in 1913, and the other one was born around the same time too, actually. And there was no solution, right? You were going to die an alcoholic death. You were just going to die. You were There was no other way about it. I mean, maybe you would go to rehab, but it was like very far and few between went to rehab back in the 60s and the 70s not very, and, and 80s. I mean, people did not go to rehab. I mean, it wasn't there like at, at our disposal in our backyards as it is today. So today there is a solution. And it's just like... And realizing what other people think is none of our business. Like, who cares if Betty Lou or Aunt Sue or Aunt Susie or Uncle Joe or Uncle Buff, whatever, what they think? Because this isn't about them. It's about ourselves. And that's where the key of getting honest with ourselves is so important. Like, it's like, great, everybody around me might think one thing, but I know in my heart what I need to do. And taking care of you far surmounts anything else. Absolutely. And, and I go back to the whole thing about, you know, don't change anything. I take that very seriously, and I preach that to people. I just told a friend of mine who was on a dating site, I said, get off the dating site. Get off of it. Just... Concentrate on yourself. You're in the beginning of throes of sobriety and you're going to complicate it by adding that or, you know, don't do anything. You told me that. No, don't change your job. Don't do, you know, don't, you know, I mean, I had to move, but, um, you know, I had already had some sobriety. Um, but, but, but really, gosh, what a gift that was to, to listen to people and, and follow the instruction and, I don't. I, I. don't know. Maybe I wouldn't be sober if I, had, if if I added all that stuff into it and had to deal with relationships and breakups and you know all that stuff that I didn't have any of that. I was just. It was all about me and not in a selfish way. It was all about me to get better. Yeah, because that's the one thing that they don't say. Like you need to take care of you. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know what my favorite color was. I always thought it was, you know, I always thought my favorite color was green and it was orange. And it's, it's like, it's, so if you are, when you leave rehab, just know exactly what you want. Like, at least kind of what you're, okay, I'm going to go live in this place I've been living for so long and with whomever you're living with. And I'm just going to do it because I know what it is. I know what these people are. I know their dances. I know the way to work with them. And I'm going to do that. And number two, I'm going to stay with the job I already have because you know what? I know how to do that too in my sleep. I can handle it. It's not too stressful. And then find a support group. Whatever that is, if it's church, if it's 12 step, if it's smart recovery, if it's doing it online, if it's just getting a group of girls that you met while you were in or guys, if wherever you were in treatment, that you're going to get all these numbers and you're going to really be diligent about it. But the first 90 days is so important because it's just like going on a diet. You know, it's like if you do it for 90 days, like Richie Crawley's doing this thing starting Saturday, right? If you listen to the podcast from last week, he's riding his bike across the country starting Saturday. And he has three things that you could do. You could either give up alcohol. You could exercise each day. You could meditate. Oh, there were four things. Meditate. Or you could eat a plant-based diet. 
So one of those four things I'm going to figure out that I'm going to do. And it's only 85 days. And I asked him, I said, what is the number one thing people are signing up for? And it's not drinking. The number one thing for 85 days, these people are going to say, I'm not going to drink for 85 days. And see how you feel. See how you feel. So I'm going to give myself a good, and that's 85, attack on another five days and you got 90. So do 90 days and see how you feel after those 90 days. Because I will bet you listeners that are out there that want to take this challenge, in 90 days, you're going to feel a lot different. You're going to feel a lot different. 30 days. Coming out of rehab, I, it felt like it was six months. It, it was amazing just how much you've changed physically. I mean, weight falls off you or you gain weight, which you needed to. But it's like, really, take time to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Like, I meditate already. I'm already sober. So my whole thing is like, all right, I'm going to exercise each day. I'd love to do the plant-based, but there's no way I can do it in my life. There's just not with what I do, going out to eat and all the rest of it. But um, I'm definitely going to do that exercise each day. Every day, I'm going to get outside at least and walk somewhere. Every day for 85 days. And I'm going to see how I feel. Yeah. What's yours going to be? I could do that, the exercise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a half an hour, like walk down the street and walk back half an hour, just a half an hour a day. Just do something yeah. that gets yeah. you outside within, with earth and just being outside. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening, sign up for something, pick something. And if you want to write to us and tell us what you've picked, we'd love it. We'll write you back. We'll even mention your name if you want us to. And also uh, n- new topics. Yeah, we want new topics. Time. We want topics. We have one in the can if we don't meet, so I have one of those. But if you guys are out there and you're like, you're wondering what can I do or something piqued your interest today and you want us to talk about it more, please write to us. You can reach us at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at busy living sober, which is B-U-S-Y living, L-I-V-I-N-G, sober, S-O-B-E-R.com. And you can go to our website, busylivingsober.com. And until next week, (laughs) keep getting busy living sober. Bye, everybody. Bye.